And we're back on the Chiefs Zone podcast. Farzine is enjoying sunny Mexico, much like our Chiefs just did. Uh, so this week you've got myself, Zach Steginga, as well as him, DJ Evans, uh, coming in to bring you, admittedly, a little bit of a late recap of the Chiefs-Chargers game. I take full responsibility for this because, as you might be able to hear, my voice is a little, uh, you know, not, not quite at full strength. But at least it's making sounds, which is a vast improvement over two days ago when we were planning to have the podcast out. So my apologies there. Appreciate you bearing with us. Um, but you know, here we are to re- recap the Chiefs and Chargers game. One quick announcement before we dive in. Due to the holidays next week and the fact that you know, all of us are going to be out spending time with our families. Uh, and the fact that you know, it does take a fair bit of time to uh, put the rundown together and uh, you know, do all the editing and stuff. To be honest, I have no idea how much time it takes Farzine to make these things happen, but uh, due to his travel schedule and the fact that the Thanksgiving holiday is taking place, this will be the last podcast until after the Raiders game. So, yeah, I know it's going to be a little bit of a bye week. We're taking a little bit of a bye week. It works out. Uh, you know, as always, though, feel free to interact with us on Twitter. Uh, at I'm at Z Steginga. He's at Chiefs Fan Chai, as in Chicago. Uh, but DJ, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, I was a little bit under the weather myself last week and still kind of getting over a cough, so I can, I can definitely feel you there, um, and I'm sure... Yeah, sadly, uh, it's just that kind of year, yeah, or that is. time of year, isn't it? Like, everybody's sick, and uh, but I'm sure Farzine's uh, yucking it up in uh, sunny Mexico, uh, having a few cocktails uh, probably right about now. And too bad I would hope so. Do, yeah, too bad we couldn't have done... A, podcast in uh, Mexico that would have been a good one maybe, maybe in the future yeah and well and if ever there was a week to do it it would have this would absolutely have been it given that our chiefs you know just uh, you know took care of the chargers down there in Mexico City in Estadio Azteca uh, you know it you know essentially twice the altitude of mile high so good fun there and definitely uh, the altitude certainly seemed to take its toll a little bit on the chiefs defense but for the most part they stepped up quite nicely um, the field conditions were a little spotty. Evidently, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, a vast improvement over last year because we got the game in. So we'll chalk that one up as a dub for the uh, you know, grounds crew at Estadio Azteca. Um, but, you know, I think that their uh, combination of whatever sand, turf, and orange juice uh, left a little to be desired. I mean, I don't know if you noticed anything like that uh, with the game there. I actually noticed it right off the bat when Hunter Henry caught a pass and kind of face planted and he came up and I looked at that and I'm like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> and, and yeah, you know, it, you say uh, sand, uh, turf, and orange shoes, it sounds like a possible uh, Jimmy Buffett song. Um, but, yeah, that's funny. It absolutely should be. <laughs> I, it, and, and you mentioned the altitude. Uh, Chris Jones on the on that last Chargers drive, if you – watch that uh if you rewatched it as i did um he was gasping for air he uh he was he was just done um so it was a really big uh play by uh Sorensen at the end there to, to cap it off and just get us out of there you know I, I looked at that game as a quasi thursday night football game you know thursday night football games are usually uh you know clusters because you're on a short week not a lot of time to prepare guys are trying to recover from being banged up um from a few days before so just like a thursday night game get in win get out bad field tyree kill out after seven plays let's just get the w and we did yeah we sure did and you know i gotta say 
the defense really, I think, did win the game for us. The Chargers, you know, were moving the ball very, very well. I mean, really throughout the game, but especially there in the first half. But they just couldn't finish drives. And whether that was, you know, a combination of the Chargers play calling, Rivers' age, um, or poor decision making, realistically a combination of the two, I'm thinking. Uh, but then, you know, the Chiefs did a nice job on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, did a great job getting pressure on Rivers and forced some errant throws that uh, we took full advantage of. Uh, and, you know, on our side, really an uncharacteristic game from the offense. You know, it took us a while to get going. But it felt like, uh, you know, as soon as the Honey Badger got his interception, it kind of changed the direction of the game a little bit because we were quickly able to score, uh, scored a couple more in the uh, third quarter, and then, you know, we're sitting there up 24-9, to and then, in true Chiefs fashion, we went on cruise control. You know, the Chargers uh, definitely stepped up there, but, uh, you know, frankly, the way that the defense was able to, you know, hold up through there, I mean, if you had told me that we were going to score 24 points and get the win... I would have been pretty happy about that. I also would have had a lot of questions as to why we only had 24 points. I know the Chargers' defense is good, but it is banged up, uh, especially on the backside there, I mean, with uh, Denzel Ward out. Uh, but I think the combination of uh, you know Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa certainly uh, you know proved that they are one of the best pass-rushing tandems in the NFL. Yeah, and it was interesting on uh, our I guess I would call it our last play because, you know, and I, I'm not going to count the kneel down, but on the third down play uh, before the Chargers' last drive, <laughs> Watkins was trying to block Joey Bosa one-on-one and Daryl Williams was trying to block um, Melvin Ingram one-on-one and I was trying to figure out exactly what <laughs> Andy Reid was scheming there. It was a little bit interesting because I would think that you probably don't want either of those guys trying to take on those two guys one-on-one in any particular situation. And, of course, we know that it didn't end up well, and we had a punt. So, um, yeah, the play calling was weird. You know, a lot of people were upset, I think, with – I think a lot of people misunderstand uh, screen passes versus passes in the flat um, because there were a lot of passes of the running back in the – particularly in the fourth quarter, but most of them were passes to the flat, and they 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 didn't all fail. I mean, the one, the first one that I noticed in the fourth quarter was, a, I think, about a 14-yard gain, 15-yard gain by McCoy. Um, Mahomes kind of overthrew um, McCoy and Darrell Williams, I think, on a couple of those. You know, there was a screen that didn't really work out, and I think it was because Reader wasn't fast enough to get to the – to the uh, linebacker number 58 mm-hmm. so i think reed really just based on the field conditions based on not having tyree kill out there who probably would have been out there um i think they said if it was a playoff game uh he just went into conservative mode and game manager mode and just try to make sure you get out of there without you know another injury to your superstar elite quarterback because by the way let's not forget this was only his second game back yeah uh and you know whether it was the altitude or otherwise uh yeah, there were definitely some offensive struggles in this game i mean if you had told me going into it that you know mahomes stat line would read 19 of 32 for 182 yards one touchdown to one interception i would tell you point blank we're losing that game and probably losing big oh yeah but we didn't uh, and that's a testament both to the Chiefs' defense and, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, we 
also did a nice job of being able to move the ball a little bit on the ground. I mean, to be fair, Mahomes did a fair bit of that himself uh, as the team's leading rusher, you know, with 59 yards. Uh, but certainly, uh, yeah, there were certainly some encouraging signs mixed in with some head-scratching moments there. But I think one of the things that impressed me the most is, uh, you know, one of the people that has been, uh, you know, and in most cases, you know, kind of rightfully criticized uh, over the, you know, the span of this year so far. Uh, and that's Frank Clark, who is, you know, of course, the massive off-season acquisition. Uh, you know, him and the Honey Badger both came in to kind of help revamp the defense. Uh, but Frank Clark has, you know, been borne the brunt of a lot of criticism for the fact that, you know, we're paying him $105 million to be the stud pass rusher that he really hasn't shown but in flashes this year. Up until, uh, you know, this past week where he showed one of the most consistent games that we've seen out of him in a while. And to be fair, he was going up across uh, a rookie left tackle. So, you know, I think that while I'm certainly encouraged by the science, grains of salt certainly abound here. But, you know, one sack, you know, one pass defense, a tackle for loss, three quarterback hits. Um, and then, you know, essentially, I mean, it was a forced fumble that was really recorded as a naughty interception. Um and but the way that you know Frank Clark came in just like a wrecking ball off the edge. I mean, realistically, he forced you know one interception to Naughty and then one that easily should have been uh, you know, the kind of lame duck throw that uh, Rivers tossed to Tyron Matthew that uh, Matthew wasn't able to bring in. But again, in the Honey Badger's defense, that was an ugly, ugly ball. I haven't seen something like that since Tebow was thrown. Absolutely, that was that was pretty bad. Um, you know, Frank Clark, yeah. Have I been disappointed uh, up until the last couple of games with him? Um, of course, uh, all Chiefs fans have, and the the reason why it appears is that he was hurt. He had a pinched nerve. You know, pinched nerve is such a in my profession, it's kind of thrown out there as like a kind of catch all. It could mean so many different things. It could be a herniated disc. It could be a bulging disc. Uh, some of those are interchangeable, but it's 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 a painful injury. Anytime you're having a nerve um, being affected um, in your neck or any part of your body, but particularly in your neck, especially if you're a defensive lineman taking on, you know, 300-pound offensive lineman and, you know, absorbing massive blows at the line of scrimmage. So that... And especially the way he has to bend, too. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine and, having... You know, so if if that obviously that he said that's what he has that that explains why it's been a slow start for him and why he's looked bad at times hopefully he's over that and uh if he is then i think we're going to see a lot more games like we saw um this past monday uh and you know when chris jones is not gasping for air because the altitude i think when we have both of them uh playing at full speed uh, that defensive line, it, it showed against the, the Vikings, and it, it showed um, more uh, this past Monday than it did against the Titans. I think also because we had some of the guys that didn't really play against the Titans play against the Chargers, which was disappointing and still don't understand why that was. Um, so hopefully it's more like what we saw Monday than what we saw the past uh, or the previous Sunday going forward. Absolutely. Uh, though, one thing that was you know just incredibly, I guess, impressive, I know we hit on a couple of the interceptions there, uh, but, you know, really some impressive play from, uh, you know, the Chiefs secondary in this one. Uh, I think partially, I think one of the things that was just kind of standing out to me was, 
I mean, don't get me wrong. The Chiefs have a lot that they could could have fixed from this game, and Rivers was instrumental in ensuring the Chiefs' victory. Um, but you know, he made some throws that I feel like you know having Mahomes across the field from him. I, I, you know, just some of the tr- throws that he tried that I don't think are you know really you know, characteristic for him. Uh, you know, some of the ways that he was trying to throw it out at different arm angles, the way Mahomes does, it almost looked like Philip Rivers was trying to do his best Patrick Mahomes impression. And it wasn't very good uh, to the tune of, you know, four interceptions. I mean, don't get me wrong, he threw for 350 yards, but, you know, one touchdown and four picks, that is not a way to win a game. Um, you know, actually, you know, just fun fact on this, he has thrown seven interceptions in his last two games, the most in any two-game span in his career. And in true Rivers fashion, Monday was his 61st loss by seven... Oh, wait, sorry, not his. My bad. I definitely was about to attribute this stat just to Rivers because he does have a knack for doing this because it it is a a Rivers stat. Uh, Phillip has thrown seven interceptions in his last two games, most in any two-game span in his career, and Monday was his 61st loss by seven or fewer points as a starter. And that's the most by a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl era. I can't imagine, you know, over a long and storied career like he's had, you know, I believe, you know, he's well characterized as a fringe Hall of Famer, but 61 losses by seven or fewer points. That's pretty rough there, DJ. Absolutely. Um, you know, that that's a, that's a pretty crazy stat. You know, and then it also <laughs> makes me think about this other stat, which I, I'm, I'm just bringing it up just to bring it up. I, I don't. Um, Rivers and Mahomes are not the same player and I think Mahomes at the end of the day or at the end of his career is going to have a much uh, more glorified uh, career than Philip Rivers and Rivers has had a nice really nice career he's going to probably be in the Hall of Fame I think we would agree Um, but the Chiefs last I want to say 13 losses have been by seven points or less and so I guess you look at it and say, who who's to blame for that? Is it coaching? Is it is it the quarterback? Is it just bad luck? Uh, but I guess when you when you look at sixty one games or sixty plus games, uh, <laughs> and it's attributed to one uh, one guy, um, yeah, that's not a good stat to to, to own. Um, I mean, he, to be fair, you know, he does play the one position that is measured in wins and losses in this game. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah, so. 61 losses by seven or fewer points. I mean, can it be entirely attributed to him? No. But by the same token, he's got the most, by most of those losses as a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl era, which is, you know, effectively, you know, the stats in the NFL that count, so to speak. And he hasn't looked Uh, good. I think, no, certainly not this year, but I think that a big part of the reason that he's lost so many games like that is because of stats like this one. He had no touchdowns and four interceptions so far this year in the final two minutes of regulation in a one-possession game. So distinctly anti-clutch is, I think, how I would characterize that. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. He's, I would say that he's not what you would call a clutch quarterback. And I think there was, wasn't there a game where he fumbled uh, the kneel down? And lost a game. I mean, that's just. <laughs> I think that was against us. That yeah, was against my memory us. serves. I think it was on Halloween, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> that's just unbelievable. I mean, I, it, that might, I, I don't know which one's worse, that or the butt fumble, probably, you know, I think the butt the fumble just from the sheer replayability of it. <laughs> um, 
But I, just I don't like, know. Yeah, that gets so much more run than Rivers fumbling the snap on a kneel down. Yeah, and I don't know what I don't know what Rivers was thinking on that interception to Sorensen at the end of the game. There was second down that we were on we were on our heels. I mean, we were we were tired um, due to the altitude, due to just be on the field for that long, and due to you know a lot of three and outs, a lot of punts. Uh, particularly in the fourth quarter, um, I, I, I he forced it. He absolutely forced that ball um, and paid for it dearly. And it, feel, it feels like he's been doing that a lot this year. Mm-hmm. And you said the stats, seven interceptions in the last two games. That's that that's just bad. And I think Chargers fans are finally coming to grips with the fact that this might be the end of the road uh, with Rivers. It certainly might be. And I, I think especially that last throw is indicative of, I mean, certainly it's the end of the game, you know, He's certainly no spring chicken, uh, and you know he forced a throw. But while he forced it, he didn't push it down the field very well. He definitely underthrew that to Eckler, and so then there's Dirty Dan Sorensen sitting there ready to seal the game for the Chiefs, uh, and it was a beautiful thing. So, you know, I, I honestly, part of me almost feels bad for the Chargers for just the sheer amount of times that. Uh, you know, they've been picked as one of the favorites and managed to find some way to lose it. Uh, you know, it's got to be tough to be a Chargers fan in some ways, especially since they moved their team out on them as well. Uh, but by the same token, there's no quarterback that I enjoy seeing lose more than Phillip Rivers up to this point. So, you know, I hate to say that, but, you know, as a Chiefs fan, it has been kind of fun uh, watching how upset he gets at the end of games. And I know that's not a nice thing to say, but I'm going to stand right, behind though. it. <laughs> you're right, though. The only other, if if Jay Cutler was still playing, I think it would be a pretty good competition between the two of them. Um, that's but, fair. You know, one of the quintessential moments, of the, just briefly about those two, I remember when uh, Cutler was still on the Broncos, and it was toward, I think it was at the end of the game, and Rivers was just shouting at uh, Jay Cutler, and Jay Cutler just had this look on his face, like I don't care. And that's it, 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 just that that moment just uh, was symbolic of what those two guys are. You know, Rivers is just a, a trash talker um, that probably doesn't cuss, and uh, Jay Cutler just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, they're very funny in very different ways. Uh, but you know, one thing that I know we touched we touched quite a bit on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, didn't have a you know we we haven't touched too much on the offensive side, but I mean obviously Mahomes played an uncharacteristic game. Uh, just seemed like you know he was missing throws. I think that you know especially early on he sailed a couple, and I think that was the altitude personally. Uh, just because you know these are you know they're rhythm throws that he normally makes down the field uh, that were just a little bit off, uh, and so you know certainly not his best game, but we were able to overcome it. But one thing that I was encouraged by was. Uh, you know, saw some good stuff uh, in the running game, at least, you know, some flashes from McCoy. And then, uh, you know, watching Mahomes really just kind of take over uh, as, you know, the, the Chiefs' offensive efforts were kind of stymied from a lot of, you know, some of those second and long runs, so to speak, or, uh, you know, dropping them off into the flat and just kind of getting lit up there. Because, to be fair, the Chargers' secondary is strong. I know we said that on the uh, preview podcast. But, uh, you know, I was certainly encouraged by seeing Mahomes run the ball again. Not that I want to see him be Lamar Jackson by any stretch of the imagination, because I don't. Uh, but it was certainly good to see that mobility. Yeah, he looked. I mean, the, uh, he had two runs in particular, uh, particular that looked really, looked really good. He and he didn't look like he was inhibited in any way. Um, 
by the the knee injury. So he's he looks good uh, mobility wise. Um, you know he looked good trying to get out. You know scramble in the pocket. You know there, in that pocket <laughs> was crumbling very quickly uh, Monday. You know Fisher had a little trouble. Um, that's probably yeah. He showed some rust. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough first game back to to be going up against uh, Ingram and Bosa. I think. Um, you know and. <laughs> The one thing, I mean, I know that, you know, he caught some flack for, uh, you know, having a little bit of a tough game, but by the same token, you know, the biggest upgrade him over Cameron Irving is that, you know, Cam Irving, you know, was good for three or four plays a game where he would just like, you know, barely get his hands on the pass rusher and Mahomes would have to, you know, quick get rid of the ball and most likely was getting blown up. Uh, whether it was, you know, actually for a sack or if Mahomes got the ball out in time is immaterial because Mahomes was getting hit. And one thing I will say for Fisher, and this is coming from somebody who was, you know, a massive Fisher critic historically. Same here. Because, uh, I mean, I used to always harp on just the number of holding calls he would get. It drove me nuts. Because um, they were always, I mean, he did not that he had a high volume of them, but it seemed like when he did, they were always in the most crucial situations. And Pittsburgh it drove Steelers me crazy. Game, right? Exactly. Things like that. Um, you know, he was always good for one or two a game, but man, I eat all of those words because, you know, just the, you know, just having a competent left tackle in there did make a world of difference. It felt like, uh, just seeing the way, I mean, I think that was part of the reason, you know, you saw Mahomes running a little bit too, because he hadn't been banged up yet. Um, that or he was just, you know, incredibly competitive and wanted to win and nothing else was working, but I'm going to stick by the former narrative because that's way more fun to say. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, he was a little fresher for not getting hit. You know, you know when they when they extended Fisher a couple of years ago and they gave him a pretty good contract. Um, at at first glance, I looked at it and said, "What? Like, why are we paying Eric Fisher this much money?" But you saw why we were paying Eric Fisher that much money the last you know four or five games with Cam Irving at left tackle, left tackle. Uh, for a right-handed quarterback, which obviously I don't, I don't even think there's a left-handed quarterback in the NFL right now. So, to your left tackle is protecting your blind side. That guy has to be um, at least average. Uh, we've seen way below average with Cam Irving, and it almost it's it's hurt our quarterback, um, and it almost costs us our right tackle. So, you know, mea culpa on Eric Fisher. I, the, the guy. It has earned his money, and um, I think week by week, as he gets more acclimated to being back in the game, he'll he'll improve. And we have our we actually have our healthy line now, so it it'll be interesting to see what happens in a couple or you know a week and a half. Um, I I think I think our offense will be a lot better than what we saw against the Chargers and the Titans. I'm certainly hoping so. I think the other bright spot that I want to mention. Uh, from the offensive side of the ball was Travis Kelsey was his, you know, fairly reliable self. Uh, you know, I know that he's maybe not gotten as many touchdowns as he's gotten in years past. Uh, but, you know, realistically, you know, he became the fastest t- tight end in NFL history to reach 450 receptions and 6,000 receiving yards. Uh, safe to say he's in pretty great company and, you know, finished up Monday night with uh, seven catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and he was really that safety blanket that Mahomes needed every once in a while. Uh, I think you know, part of the uh, benefit there is that, you know, again, I mentioned that 
yeah, the Chargers were without you know a couple of their uh, starting safeties there. Uh, you know, with Nas Adderley and then uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name, uh, DJ, Derwin, uh, the Derwin kid from James. Florida State. Derwin Thank you, James. Derwin James. Uh, you know, with those two being down with injuries, certainly, uh, yeah, didn't hurt uh, on the Chiefs side of things. But was certainly encouraged to see that you know we were able to move the ball through the air at least a little bit, uh, just enough to keep them honest. But you know, I think on the whole. Yeah, not the prettiest game in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but a win is a win is a win is a win. And, True uh, that. And, uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, uh, you mentioned that stat about him having been the fastest to reach 450 receptions and 6,000 receiving yards. Remember, he missed his entire first season with an ACL injury. Um, in 2013, he didn't even play. So imagine where his stats would be. That's right. That, I forgot that about season. that. So, um no, he's been he's been great, and he's been, um, you know, as far as his attitude and his on the field mistakes, those have improved because we saw some things a few years ago where he got kicked out of a game, and you know he threw a flag at an official, which you know the video is hilarious. Was hilarious, <laughs> hilarious video. <laughs> it was almost worth. We won the game, so it didn't really matter. But um, you don't want the guy doing that. Uh, but was it, 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 the video is really hilarious because you know the official throws a flag, then Kelsey throws his glove, and then another official throws a flag in the air. It was just like a flag throwing contest at that point. So, um, but he's he's so important to this offense. I imagine if he's not out there, and you know there's no Tyreek and no Travis Kelsey, then 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 what does that offense look like? You know, Pat's awesome, but you do have to have playmakers and. Um, that I think that did affect the game plan and how how everything kind of developed uh, once Tyreek went out because you know they, they uh, I'm sure Andy Reid planned to have Tyreek the whole game and so his play calling was adjusted when he realized that he's not going to have Tyreek in that game and I think Tyreek had actually wanted to go back in the game of course but I think it was smart to hold him out especially on that field that would have been kind of silly to allow him to play on that and risk hurting the hamstring worse or god forbid doing something else because he's you know um you know um trying to think of the word but uh yeah when you lose your most dynamic weapon overcompensating for um the hamstring injury so he should be good to go uh against the raiders which is good not sure about damian williams i know he went out i know mccoy i think had a concussion um Mm -hmm. you might be yeah all of a sudden the running back depth looked real thin (laughs) And I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about Darwin Thompson. A lot of people want to see him play. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know if Darwin Thompson's ready yet. Uh, I, you know, we've seen maybe what does he have like ten touches this season? People want Kareem Hunt back. That's what they want, and they want Darwin Thompson to be Kareem Hunt. I think that's unfair to him. Mm-hmm. People just need to get over the fact that Kareem Hunt's just not here and he's not coming back. Um, it's just it is what it is. I, our running back situation is not going to change uh, all of a sudden from this point forward. Uh, it's going to be running back by committee, and we just have to figure out a way to win with the guys that we have and address that position in the offseason. I think you're right, you know, and we've done that. I think the you know, winning make the winning bit, not the addressing it, uh, the, the you know managing to win with the committee approach there. Uh, but, you know, Again, like I said, a win is a win, and uh, you know, while uh, we obviously would have liked to get this podcast out to you sooner, again, like I said, you know, was a little under the weather and wasn't able to really 
produce any sound, so it makes it hard to have a podcast. Um, but the one advantage that came with the slight delay here is that we got plenty of text that came in, uh, given that we you know had a little bit more lead time between the game and the podcast. Uh, and you know they seem to kind of fit into a couple of different uh, buckets. Uh, you know, really appreciate all the texts that come in, and uh, you know, just know that. If I'm reading something that sounds like your text, it is with yours in mind as well. I just don't want to, you know, we don't want to waste a bunch of everybody's time reading a bunch of different texts that all say the same thing. So we'll kind of just kind of bucket those a little bit, if you will. Uh, And the first one, uh, in this case, actually kind of stands on its own, uh, was one of the only hot takes. And I think that uh, he, you know, even says it from the 785, uh, Jayco says, you know, I guess this would be a hot take. Fisher helped us out more in that hospital bed than on the field. Dude can't stop anything. Um, I think that does qualify for our old hot take segment, plain and simple, because, I mean, while Fisher was obviously not perfect, I know we touched on this, you know, it's certainly a massive step up from Cam Irving. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> the guy hasn't played since, what, the first one or two snaps of week two, and he's getting thrown in against two of the elite pass rushers in the NFL. I, 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 I'm going to give Fisher the benefit of the doubt on that one. Um, I suppose the question I would ask Joe is, would you rather have Cam Irving back there? Probably not. Yeah. I think if you took a poll of chiefs nation or chiefs kingdom, sorry, I don't know where that came from. That was an absolute miss. Uh, you took a poll of chiefs kingdom I think that there would be no one saying that Cam Irving should be your left tackle of the future or the present or ever, <laughs> um, whenever, you know, Eric Fisher happens to be healthy. Um, but, you know, another one coming in from the 816, uh, Fetters says, you know, put the GD, I mean, that's his words, not mine. I didn't censor him, but you all know what he's saying. Uh, put the game away with your offense. Shred the Alex Smith playbook. Quit running, running back screen after running back screen when you're trying to end it. You have the reigning MVP. Use him. We we saw a couple of texts like this, um, so, you know, kind of criticizing the play call. I think you know the one that stands out probably the most of all the other texts that look like this is uh, Michael from North Carolina, longtime texter, uh, in from the three three six suggests that you know if play calling like this costs us a playoff loss, will Andy be fired? And I'd be interested to hear your take on that, DJ, because I mean I obviously have my opinions. We talked a little bit about it uh, last week after the Titans game. But you think that, you know, this conservative play calling is going to get Andy Reid run out of Kansas City? Certainly not any time in the near future. Uh, And I think we talked a little bit about this last uh, podcast. Um, Clark Hunt likes stability, and he had anything but that with the coaches prior to Andy Reid. Um, You know, with Haley, um, with Cornell, with Herm Edwards, it, it, it was not... Um, it was anything but stable. So, I, I, I yeah, I'm just Clark cringing Hunt, as you're reading some of those names. Yeah, and so I think Clark Hunt, I, I think, loves Andy Reid and loves what he brings to the table. Um, but on the other hand, you know, at some point, if we keep seeing a consistent way in which we lose games, lose playoff games, and uh, it can't just be a coincidence that it always happens with Andy Reid, then it's fair to look at um, Andy Reid and start questioning whether he's the guy to get you from point B to point C. He got us from point A to point B. Uh, We were a terrible team, and he's turned us into a 
perennial playoff team and now potentially Super Bowl contender. But um, we do have to. I feel like there's been too many too many conservative calls, uh, particularly this season, on uh, you know third and shorts, uh, even fourth downs where it, it makes sense to go for, it and we just didn't. Uh, we settle for field goals. Um, like at that play I mentioned earlier uh, in the podcast about, you know, having Watkins, mm-hmm. you know, trying to defend Bosa and trying to have Daryl Williams defend Ingram. It's just, it's, yeah. it's head You have to hope that was a mistake. It had to be because it, it's, 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 it's head scratching. It's mind boggling. Um, but I mean, if that getting... was deliberate in any way, that's like pretty much unconscionable as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it just might cause... be a fireable offense. <laughs> I mean, because it, Mahomes is yeah, in a trouble bit. very quickly on that play. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you know, at that point, if that was designed, I mean, there is definitely such thing as getting too cute, and that would be the definition of it for sure. And maybe he is. I mean, you know, it, it's fair to say was he being too cute, uh, having Blake Bell be the only option, which Eric Bieniemy said um, that was true against the Titans. Blake Bell was the only option on that third and two play, um, or was it third and two or third and four? I can't remember, but um, yeah. It, it, when you have that many weapons on your on your team, to have a designed screenplay for the backup tight end who's already has drop you know drop he he has a problem dropping the football, um, I, I I don't know why Andy gets into these these weird situations where he his play calling just gets I don't know I don't want to say nervous but he just he scales back everything and doesn't he's not aggressive anymore he's just he's kind of playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And yeah. th- that has gotten him beat in the playoffs consistently. Uh, because yeah. you look at a coach like Belichick, right. and Belichick plays to win. Um, and Belichick also doesn't show his hand uh, during the regular season. I mean, you, you when the Chiefs play the Patriots, um, week, what is that, 14-15, Belichick's not going to show uh, the Chiefs what they might see in the playoffs. You might get 70% of it, but you're not getting the whole thing. He's he's going to change it. The question that I think is fair to ask is, is Andy Reid able to uh, make those type of adjustments, be able to kind of show part of his hand, but save some of, some of it for the playoffs so that you have some type of surprise element so that you're not predictable? Uh, because we were very predictable in the first half against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. And I think the stats uh, showed that. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, it you know, brings to mind another text here that came in from Colorado Springs, of all places. So, you know, just kind of in the shadow of Broncos country, uh, Dan texted in, you know, possibly a solution to our, you know, what we've been discussing here, saying that Clark Hunt should mandate that Coach Bienemy call the offensive plays for the fourth quarter. Coach Reed seems to run a prevent offense in the fourth quarter, getting conservative, predictable, and losing all imagination. Can't wait until Mahomes can audible with the, you know, knowledge of Peyton Manning to overcome... Uh, Reed's fourth quarter play calling, you know, certainly would be interesting to see uh, either you know, whether it's enemy or Mahomes just kind of taking over um, and making the audibles at the line of scrimmage. Uh, it's certainly intriguing there. I don't know how much freedom Mahomes has within the offense. I mean, obviously he improvises tons, um, you know, as plays develop, and you know, frankly, his improvisation there is what makes him so good. But not sure how much he does, uh, you know, audibling at the line of scrimmage. So. That could certainly be an interesting wrinkle moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, it's it's hard to tell how much freedom he actually has, and he probably doesn't have as much freedom as he will have 
you know, two to three years from now, maybe even next year. Um, you know, as far as Eric Bieniemy calling the plays, I guess it's a fair question as to whether uh, whether Nagy was calling the plays back in 2017 because it, that playoff game against you know who the Titans, the play calling mm-hmm. in the second half was awful. People want to just tear apart the defense for that game, but it it was three and out after three and out after three and out, and <clears throat> that's going to kill your defense, especially when you lose your uh one of your most important defensive players right at the beginning of the second half chris jones so right now if you looked at if you ask bears fans they're they're looking at the play calling in chicago and asking you know what's going on like why is everything so conservative why aren't we you know having bigger plays i don't know i I think in that case it's more the quarterback yeah i tend oh yeah i trubisky's not good um, I tend to think that Andy recalls most of the plays um, and tries to tell everybody that the offense coordinator is calling the plays because he wants to get his guys' jobs. Um, at the end of the day, Andy Reid is making the final decisions. He's certainly scripting you know, the first, whatever, 15 plays that they script uh, at the beginning of the game and beginning of the half. So I just I, I would like to see him be able to become a uh, a little less cute on some of these plays where it's just you know you've got the superstar MVP quarterback you know to put the put the game in his hands uh, not in the hands of Blake Bell you know let let Mahomes sit back there in the pocket or scramble outside of the pocket and make a play. Um, and also time management, clock management, because that's obviously been something that's haunted Andy throughout his his career, not only here but also in Philadelphia. So, yeah, I I, I guess I gave a long winded answer to a, a really easy question. I mean, but I would like to see no, Mahomes. Right. I would like to see Mahomes uh, be able to 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 make adjustments. I think he will be allowed to do that once he's more comfortable, uh, you know, having played more than just one season as a starter. Absolutely. Got a couple texts that read like this, um, but I'll read the one from the 913 just because it kind of sums up, you know, there's three or four that fit under this sort of umbrella, if you will. You know, Chiefs got lucky with this win. I think we might need to hire uh, Andy, a clock management specialist, but you know, defense kind of bailed the offense out and Frank Clark played played out of his mind. So it's time to go get healthy during the bye and, uh, you know, not stick it to the Raiders next week. Um you know, got a lot that kind of filled in there, but you know, just to kind of put a bow on this, uh, Brandon from Illinois suggests, you know, can you explain to me why Sorensen always gets shit on? I've always liked Dirty Dan. He always plays hard. I know he plays his position or his zone type, and you know, he can give up some plays, but he can also, you know, make some big plays because he's Dirty Dan. Uh, he did suggest that I read the Dirty Dan piece in a SpongeBob voice. I can't do that, especially in my current state. Uh, so, sorry, Brandon. Sorry to disappoint. Normally, I'd take a shot at it, but yeah, not today. Um, I think, you know, realistically, the reason that you know Dan Sorensen gets, you know, as Brandon put it, shit on uh, from time to time, it's because you know, realistically, the guy gets beaten coverage. He's not yes. that fast. He's kind of that you know, he, he's the type of safety that you want to have come up and be almost like that extra linebacker. Yes, absolutely. Um, and he's great at that. Um, and by the same token, though, he's certainly passable in coverage. You know, it's just he doesn't really have the speed to hang with some of the top-line NFL receiving talent. So that's why. I mean, he gives up big plays, but as we saw at the end of this game, 
You know, he plays smart. There's a reason that he was an undrafted free agent and made his way onto this team. Uh, and that's because he's always, you know, doing a good job of staying at least in his position, uh, whether it's, you know, sticking to his assignment on a zone read uh, or doing his best to stick with somebody uh, in a man-to-man setting. If he's caught in a man-to-man setting, you've really got an issue. But that's a separate discussion. Uh, no, I think he's a perfectly solid safety. And, you know, I think that, you know, he, he certainly deserves the opportunity to kind of ride high for sealing this game. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, he's the, he's the perfect um, box safety. Um, he's not a coverage um, center field safety. He he did get burned uh, on a long play um, in the, I want to say, third quarter where they called pass interference cause he, on him, which it mm-hmm. was pass interference. Yeah, he um, did do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then they scored a touchdown on that, and I think that was the same touchdown that they went for the two-point conversion, and somehow Hunter Henry, who had been getting the ball all game, was wide open in the end zone, kind of reminded me of the way that the game ended last year uh, at Arrowhead on the two-point conversion. There was yeah. some kind of there was some kind of he just leaked out. Yeah, I don't know. Somewhere. I, I don't know who it was on, but it was it was between Sorensen and Ward. One of them made a mistake there, uh, or maybe both. But Sorensen does have this weird knack of uh, <laughs> just making plays that are really important. You know, he had the he had the, obviously the interception at the end of the game. If you remember the AFC Championship game when Edelman uh, fumbled the ball, and I still maintain mm-hmm. that was a fumble. Um, uh, <laughs> on the on the punt return, uh, or mm-hmm. off, I should say. Um, the following play, he intercepted Brady. I mean, he he has a knack for uh, making big plays in really big situations. But the reason why he's not out there more is because he also, like you said, he gives up a lot of big plays. He's not particularly fast, and um, a lot of the time he will get beat down the field. So. Um, yeah, I mean, thank you, Dirty Dan, for sealing that game because we needed that win. Absolutely, and you know, couldn't come at a better time. You know, to just be able to, you know, knock out you know another divisional opponent there, and uh, you know, come into the bye week, hopefully get healthy, and uh, you know, be ready for the Raiders. Uh, you know, at the first of December. So, uh, you know, certainly encouraged by some of the things we've seen here. Uh, yeah, I think that pretty much puts a bow on it. You know, it's the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm Zach Steginga. He's DJ Evans. Uh, you know, hope you guys have a phenomenal Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, we'll look to pick this up after the Raiders game. Hopefully, uh, you know, celebrating yet another Chiefs win. Absolutely, I will. Uh, I will be there actually at Arrowhead for that game. So I'm looking forward to that, and I can report on all the shenanigans that go on with the Raiders fans. Um, it'll be my, I think fourth Raiders Chiefs game in the last three years so should be interesting it's a big game obviously um and um the last game kind of like this uh that I would look to was two years ago when somehow we were all like with the Chargers Raiders and Chiefs were all six and six and uh the Raiders came to Arrowhead and we we beat them rather uh easily so let's hope that happens again I'm, I'm surprised by the Raiders um didn't expect them to uh, be where they're at right now. Uh, makes the game even more fun, and it should be an electric atmosphere. Chiefs fans, do not sell your tickets. <laughs> yeah, no doubt there. But yeah, I guess with that, you know, again, hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back with Farzine following the Raiders game, and uh, 
yeah, I guess until then, this has been the Chief Zone Podcast.